Hello, and welcome to Drawing a Dissertation. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. We are cartoonists, scholars, and educators. On this podcast, we put comics into historical, theoretical, and educational contexts. I teach K-12 students in schools in addition to alternative educational settings, and I'm a thesis professor in the Visual Narrative MFA program at Boston University. I have three graphic novels out in addition to self-published works. My newest project is a webcomic titled Charger County. You can read it right now at chargercounty.com. I have a master's degree in art education. And I am a PhD candidate in the University of Florida's English program. Um, I also have a master's in English from UF. Uh, My research focuses on trans embodiment and experience in comics and zines uh, and museum studies. And I also make largely self-published comics. And today, welcome to, we are recording uh, Drawing a Dialogue, episode 53, mm-hmm. which is going to be titled, Introducing Our New Series, Trans Cartoonists in the DIY Scene, mm-hmm. aka Drawing a Dissertation. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't mess that up immediately upon <laughs> the intro. I forgot that you had set that up. <laughs> I forgot too. I just, it's, you know, it goes to show you how much I actually read our script when I'm talking. (laughs) It's automatic at this point. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So this is something that we've been working on for a really long time. Not me. You are. You have been. (laughs) Me, I'm just chilling. Um, Yeah. Do you want me just to sort of jump in or? I mean, yeah, I, so this intro, these are all just notes that I took when you were talking. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, it seems weird, but basically we're introducing Remus's PhD dissertation and we are going to be able to share a lot of that dissertation work with you on Mm -hmm. our Drawing a Dialogue podcast feed. Yeah. So um, what we're going to do in this episode is um, I'm going to kind of talk through the dissertation and specifically where it intersects with drawing a dialogue. Um, And then um, on Monday, so uh, this episode is dropping on December 8th. I believe it's the 8th. Yes. Mm -hmm. It'll be the 8th when you're listening to this. And then on the 11th, you will see an additional drop from two in one month, if you can believe it, um, that will be, <laughs> barring nothing going wrong, that will be uh, the first in this series that we're calling Trans Cartoonists in the DIY Scene. Um, so I um, I wanted to sort of start off with the caveat that, like, I'm explaining my dissertation, but, like, I'm still uh, early into it, right? So... Um, what I'm going to be describing is sort of like the, what I basically have in my prospectus, which when we talked about dissertations, I think I explained is sort of like the document that you make for your exam where you're basically like, this is what the project I want to do is. And you give feedback on whether it's like viable to support a dissertation or not. Um, yeah. So back in episode 46, we talked about the PhD process. Yeah, so... And in this episode, you're talking about what you're actually doing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and one thing I want to, like, say with that is that um, because of, like, the stage that we're, I'm at right now, like, things can always change. So, like, me sharing this is, like, not setting in... St- like, it, the final dissertation could be different. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it just is... Yeah, uh, totally. It's like a living document. So, um, but... but um, it's it, we wanted to sort of like share it or I really wanted to sort of like incorporate the podcast into it because um, 
one, uh, I think, you know, that sort of like public scholarship is really important and like sharing research is really important. But also, um, I, I think we've said this before, but when we started drawing a dialogue, it was partially because I wanted to practice doing research when I was applying to grad school. Yeah. So I had I had just freshly finished uh, grad school. I had just freshly gotten my master's degree. And so I had experience doing research and I had research that I wanted to share. Um, and then Remus wanted to learn how to do research. So yeah, because I, I <laughs> we went to teamed up, you know, because I was at art school undergrad and we didn't have a very robust. I mean, I had good teachers, but we didn't have a very like in-depth or robust liberal arts program. Um, so I hadn't really done a lot of like long form research or, you know, that kind of work, um, which you need to be able to do. So I was like, let's practice. And then, um, mm -hmm. you know, I got into grad school after the we had started this podcast. Uh, and so like my whole sort of like grad school journey has sort of been like chronicled through <laughs> drawing a dialogue, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm just going to start um, by outlining um what uh, my dissertation is and i wanted to sort of like since we we did talk about dissertations but just in case you didn't listen to that episode or you need a refresher it's basically a dissertation is something that phd uh uh, uh students do um it's usually the final step and i'm talking of course like in the humanities specifically because i am in english i cannot speak to like stem or anything like that but um it's a it's a long form written project usually that serves as like a capstone um that demonstrates like uh your ability to um come up with and argue or you know explain or whatever a uh, an idea that you have right a, a, a core idea so it's like a demonstration of your ability to research of your ability to like articulate um your thoughts your argument um and it often is sort of used as like a basis for the phd candidate's first book um because like in traditional if you're traditional it's like a traditional phd path like career path is like you you know, get the PhD and then you go on the academic job market to try to get a tenure track job. And one of the requirements for tenure is having a book published. So it's very common for the dissertation to be like the draft basically for what becomes your first book. Mm. Um, it doesn't always mm -hmm. happen, but it does happen a lot. Um, it's That's not necessarily like my goal, but you know, I did want to like flag that. And so uh, the title of my dissertation project is uh, transness is a prayer for something better, trans world-making strategies in comic scenes. Um, and transness is a prayer for something better is uh, a quote from Cardet Monir um, that I use with permission. And so I'm just going to kind of like explain what the base, the idea is. I'm not going to get too deep into like the theoretical underpinnings um, for time's sake. <laughs> um, my perspective I mean is like... It's like a 20-page document. Um, <laughs> you know, if people are interested in it, I'm happy to share it. But, uh, you know, it's not necessarily important. So um, I'm going to just, like, read a little <laughs> it's bit. It's important. <laughs> not important to what I'm trying to explain here is what I meant. 
Uh, I see, I see. <laughs> so I'm, I am going to quote a little bit from it, though. So uh, this is quoting from my prospectus. Um, my proposed project takes up contemporary grassroots queer publications, primarily zines and comics, uh, by queer and trans creators to examine how trans artists use these materials to articulate gendered subjectivities and world-making strategies. Um, so what do I mean by that? <laughs> I'm working That's with... Great. Uh, contemporary, when I say contemporary grassroots publications, that is basically a way of saying like things that are primarily self-published or small press, micro press. So not commercial publications, right? Not Mm -hmm. mainstream literary press, like that kind of thing. Um, so it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to be self-published because there's a lot of grassroots publishing, like small presses, micro presses, but grassroots means like, you know, like not institutional, (laughs) not institutionally funded. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, primarily zines and comics. Um, I, I don't know, like, you know, my focus might be just comics by the end of it, but I wanted to leave space to work with other materials that might not be comics or zines, um, which is why it's written like that. Um. Mm-hmm. And so examining how trans artists use these materials to articulate gendered subjectivities and world-making strategies. So we're, we're talking very much about, like, gender, of course. And world-making is, a has is like, a phrase that I'm pulling f- from a, a few different places. Um, the first is um, there's an article by uh, K.J. Rawson, um, who Rawson is uh, one of the founders of, if not the only founder of the tr- di- uh, trans- Digital Transgender Archive, um, mm-hmm. which is a super cool project. I think we talked about it on the grassroots. I'm pretty <laughs> sure we've you've talked about it before. Yeah, times. yeah, when we talked about archives. Um, so Rawson wrote an article about trans world making and online activist spaces, um, where he's pulling on a queer theory lineage. Um, from Michael Warner and Lauren Berlant's configuration of queer world making as quotes, alternate spaces and practices of cultural, communal, and identity construction and knowledge making that are always in process. Um, so when we talk about like alternate spaces, it's uh, a little bit of like thinking about um, communities that are constructed sort of like outside of or within but in resistance to um hegemonic dominant cultures right Mm -hmm. and these are like actively created actively participated in intentionally created and participated in right like there's sort of a political understanding if that's what you're doing and I'm also sort of linking that with uh, Munoz's uh, Cruising Utopia, which is a book that I know I have talked about many times on this podcast because it's one of my favorite books, um, where he <laughs> describes world making as a project of creating a future for queerness within the present moment. Um, so essentially, Munoz argues that world making, queer world making, is a project of structured desire for a future that exceeds the limitations of the present. So um Mm. in this context uh i'm looking at like how trans artists are using these image texts to express transness um as a structured form of desiring so this is like very deliberately looking at how folks trans folks um are like politically engaged with transness right as a as it where it's not it's not just Mm -hmm. like it's not like it wouldn't it's not just like any comic or zine about transness because um 
not like there's different ways to like do that but i'm specifically looking at folks who are like very politically active activated in their like i mean it's just like um the trans identity as a political identity 100 exactly as meaning it's like a response to the world much like a an example like disability does <laughs> being disabled is a political identity yeah right? exactly and there's like a, a i i do also like work a lot with like disability studies in my um research because there is such a close mm-hmm. um historical relationship between like transness and disability and queerness and disability right like if you look at how um mm-hmm. those things are medicalized um but essentially at its most boiled down what i'm kind of like looking at is a prefigurative politics right so like this idea of like um, in the present moment, you create the world you want. You don't wait for it to come. You just start a- enacting what you want in the present moment um, while uh, you, as like a way of um, resisting <laughs> um, oppressive, like white supremacist, mm. patriarchal, heterosexist regimes, right? Um and I'm looking at both the sort of technical material comic scenes themselves. So like, you know, what the stories are about, what the tools are being in the stories that are being used, right? Or like the way the images are being used, the sort of like rhetorical things, um, as well as where and how those scenes and comics are made and like distributed and like passed mm-hmm. through, right? Um and I mm-hmm. sort of um, have this drawn around two specific world-making projects. Um, and both are, like, phrased in the prospectus to be deliberately, deliberatively sort of provocative. Um, so I, I will unpack, mm-hmm. but, like, just know that, like, I have phrased these on purpose um, to be um, – to give space for, for exploration, right? Um So the first world making Mm -hmm. project is a world where transness exists, which is the one that's the most aligned with cruising utopias, where Munoz argues that queerness is not yet here. So that's the central thesis of Mm -hmm. of cruising utopias is that like we we are not yet queer. Queerness is like a project of futurity, right? It's about like making a future where queerness can exist, and so like that doesn't literally mean like trans Mm. people aren't real because like obviously we are Mm -hmm. and we're here hello um (laughs) but what it is about is like under what conditions is transness existing currently and like what assumptions does it rest on currently right so this is about Mm. futurity right um so to quote myself this world making project is one of futurity and how transness quote exists is itself somewhat open ended it can be as literal as transgender without the threat of structural violence or as metaphysical as quote transgender as itself a way to practice politics rather than a fixed identity category um mm. and then the second pr- uh, world making project i've identified is a world where transness is remembered. Um, so if the first world-making project is pretty focused on, like, futurity, um, this one is a way to sort of analyze the past. So quoting myself again, post-1990s gay politics have moved in a direction of homonormative, largely white and gay-focused politics with an end goal of rights-based legislation and assimilation into cis-heteronormative society. 
Um, I'm glossing, obviously, and there are always pockets of more radical activism, but generally, trans history and trans activism are minimized in this landscape, especially, again, as uh, politicians and trans-exclusive radical feminists uh, work to further recriminalize trans existence. So, again, mm. sort of in this project, it's thinking about how folks align themselves with, like, queer and trans historical lineages, right? Um as opposed and like how that is expansive as opposed to like the current project of like erasing trans history basically right mm -hmm. and i have a little I see, I see. yeah and i have a little table that i've made to map these that breaks down sort of the formal and the social um i don't know if we can put a table into my blog but i i can put these in the notes in like a image i'll just screen cap this sure. table if you'd like <laughs> um so i can also it. just okay. write it out as like bullet points um the table's so cute imagine a x axis <laughs> y axis or one of those um <laughs> political you know the, like the meme where people will do like the four quadrants <laughs> um um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, totally. really, like, authoritarian left, authoritarian right, socialist left, or, like, whatever. Um, it's sort like, of like that. boy, girl, girl, boy. <laughs> girl, girl, boy, boy. <laughs> um, but the, the quadrant, on one side, you have formal, so, like, the formal, and then on the other side, you have the social, and then on the top, you have futurity, and on the bottom, you have history, right? So, sort of, like, mapping back to those world projects I talked about. So, um, I'll start with Futurity. Um, Futurity Formal is uh, depictions of transness through formal elements, right? So mark making, collage, page layout, juxtaposition, choices of printing. Something I'm really interested in is, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but like when you're working from a drawing, drawing has a different language than photography, right? Because drawing is much more obviously influenced by the hand of the person creating it right like of course photographs are also worked through you know whoever is like taking the photograph but like culturally the assumption is that like less now because of ai but culturally historically the assumption has been that photographies are more truthful and drawing is not um and drawing, draw, whereas like drawing is like mm -hmm. much easier in most cases to like see the, the, tr the artist's style and the artist's interpretation. And consequently, a thing that I am fascinated by and like have referenced in my own comics a lot is like uh, what makes a drawing transgender, right? Like how do we like mark a drawing as being like of a trans person or like related to transness? On Drawing a Dialogue, episode 45, which yeah. is titled Trans Representation in Comics, the very first in the description, the very first question is, how can a drawing be transgender? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about that with my with the, uh, FST, I remember. Mm -hmm. So you see my interest coming to bear here again. Um, and then Futurity Social, the social side, uh, is creation of trans subcultures and or counterpublics, which is another academic term for like um again a sort of like group that is active like created outside of like the main public and anyway um mm -hmm. so creation of trans subcultures and or counterpublics within comic zine spaces through the distribution of circulation of or reading and writing of image texts right so again sort of like that like network of like who's publishing who who has you know who's reading who um 
you know, who's referencing who, like working together, that kind of thing. So that's the futurity side. On the historical side, so history formal, um, things like use of historical references, methods, or symbols of uh, queer trans subculture. So cut and paste zine aesthetics, right? Like tying yourself to that legacy of zines, um, BDSM or queer leather subcultures, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. References or settings, like eras that are like historically important to queerness, transness, like those sorts of things um, within the work itself. And then on the social side, sort of similarly, right, like positioning um, themselves or the work within historically queer slash trans lineages, such as, um, or lineages such as queer zines, um, the sort of like longer history of the gay press, uh, so forth, and engaging with queer and trans history as part of the practice of making and distributing image texts. That's, this so, table is amazing. Thank you. I was very proud of it when I came up with this. Yeah. I mean, you just sort of, you made this, right? You invented this. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really a fantastic way of talking about, like thinking about how often there has been quote unquote discourse about queer artists and like trying to talk about what we should be responding to and like what we are doing. I really like sort of this method of, Re-understanding how there, there's like both both the future and history, and there's a formal and social aspect to creating artwork. I I think this is really great. I really hope that more scholar that you publish this and more scholars <laughs> use it. Like I think this is really handy and really fantastic. You should be yeah. proud of this work. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. Shouting. Yeah, I think it's a fun. I think it's a fun project. You know. Um. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think. I mean, I I. I I think like the thing, it was funny to land on this because, you know, when you're going through coursework, you you know, you're still like uh, sometimes people come into a PhD program, especially if they've already gone through a master's program with like a project already in mind, right? Where they're like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working towards. Um, Since I came in straight from undergrad. Uh, not straight from undergrad because I took a break, but like from my bachelor's um, and I didn't have a master's when I entered the PhD program. Um, and that was true of like a lot of my colleagues because um, UF is one of those programs that has a track for folks who don't already have a master's. Um, you're encouraged, like you're not, when you apply to that program, they're not, they don't expect you to already have a project. Like, you know, it's good if you have a solid idea of what you want to do because that way they know you're a good fit. Um, but you're encouraged to sort of like experiment, right? And so I went through, like, when I applied, I was like, I want to write about comics. <laughs> and then when I got to grad school, I, like, you know, took all these classes and learned a bunch of stuff and was like, oh, maybe I'll do something else instead. And then ended up kind of back at my starting point because, like, the thing that always struck me was um, – and I'm going to talk more about this. Like, you know, I'm a trans cartoonist and have been for some time. And, like, I go to, like, <laughs> comic shows and, like, see all this amazing, wonderful work that isn't coming from, like, institutional, like, the big five or, like, even, like, more known comic publishers, right, already established comic publishers. big five, you mean, like, Random House, uh, Macmillan, Penguin, yeah. You're talking, about, you're talking about big five publishing houses. Yes, the big five publishing houses clarification or like i said even like marvel dc image you know like the sort of the the established heavy hitters nowadays of comics right (laughs) marvel dc you know nowadays 
nowadays. <laughs> but you know, even Not even since the very beginning of time. <laughs> but even I feel like like I wouldn't call like Oni Press a grassroots publisher, right? Like they are pretty established and known, even if at one point they were definitely. You know what I mean? Like I think there's like yeah. a difference mm-hmm. between a, a press like that and then like a very like a very small like a like a youth in decline, right, or something like that, that where it's like much smaller. I mean, I think I think there's other scholars who have done that work of talking about small press versus micro press yeah like like the youth in decline is one person and like uh sometimes um an assistant or intern so that would be like a micro press right but small press yeah you can have like employees and stuff yeah yeah and there's like different scales of small press also i I think like oni is like a medium press if i had to guess but um i mean they have they have national distribution so yeah yeah but anyway in comic like in the comic studies like in the writing about comics that i was encountering it was like no one's talking about this right like people and i i don't think that's necessarily true now i think there are a lot of people talking like more people than there were when i was like looking into grad school in like 2017 um but i was just like very aware like oh like there's all this cool stuff being made and it seems like it's not being really written about um, and that's weird because <laughs> like, yeah. I think my friends are making really good stuff. I mean, that's sort of how I, like when I went into grad school, the thing with my grad school program is it was uh, nine months long. So I came in with a very clear project. I had some colleagues that kind of figured it out along their way of coursework, but I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do, which is talking yeah. about comics in art classrooms. Thus, uh, my website, comicarted.com. Um, because no one was talking about making artwork in art classrooms. Like there was a lot of discussion about comic books and education in English classrooms and reading them and analyzing them, but not a lot of scholarship was being done about actually in an art classroom. And, you know, just like when you're talking about, it's really interesting how even in the last five years, six years, uh, scholarships can change and conversations can change. And, you know, part of that Mm -hmm. is... We are publishing. Drawing a dialogue is publishing. It's not like formal publishing, but it is putting ideas and conversations and thoughts out there. Mm -hmm. And I do think drawing a dialogue has influenced um, the scene. I really do. Yeah. You may go on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think Um, that's like, I think part uh, 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 part of this project was encouraging people to talk about stuff that was good. And to stop talking yeah. about the canon, right? The the established canon. And Definitely. I really think it's changed. I do. Because of your yeah. hard work, Remus. <laughs> and yours. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, you know, kind of like piggybacking off that, um, I, I made the choice to sort of narrow what the the material I'm talking about I'm sort of thinking about it in the context of like comics and zine shows um so like you know small press expo which you've talked about um uh tcaf uh mice you know all these different like comic shows right because Mm -hmm. like that is one sort of the community that I'm part of right like I've always you know I started tabling at shows in 2010 no 2014 um Mm -hmm. and you know that's sort of the network that i've seen and because i think um 
the show space performs a specific sort of function for cartoonists in general um, as a sort of community building tool, right? Because again, you can sort of like trace like who's going to these shows, who's distributing for who, who has whose work on their table. Like people are using these as spaces to get each other's work and trade and like be on panels together and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's not to say that like the show space is the end all be all or that like work that would fit sort of what I'm interested in doesn't exist outside of that. Cause of course it does. Um, but the thing is you can't talk about everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just can't talk about everything. And I wanted to have a very specific location in mind, like a very specific physical site um, that I could really spend my time with. And to me, that is based on just like, again, because so much of this is about, you know, like this, this, the comic space that I grew up through, or like that my work, I feel like really was established through it. To me, that is the show space. And I also, again, I think like, um, I haven't seen a lot of comic studies work engage with the show space as a like specific location that is performing a specific type of community. Um, yeah. So that's just to give some context there. Um, that's interesting. And of course, that's great. Yeah. And so, of course, like a lot of the artists I'm working with aren't exclusively in the show space, right? Like, I'm people who have do like small press or self published stuff also can make published graphic novels, like Kathy, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> you, uh, you know, there's like lots of, there's always like these things are not like tightly bound, but that is like the way I have chosen to, um, give myself sort of like borders for this particular project and Um, by the way you haven't actually talked about the nature of your project and how you're going to be sharing it with drawing a dialogue but you just started to reference it a little bit so (laughs) yeah so let's move into the methodology um and this is what we're going to talk about the drawing a dialogue portion um so like i said before a dissertation itself is usually kind of just like a book how it's written um, there are definitely non-traditional, um, dissertations. Uh, I, what I wanted to make sure though, is that like, because like I'm writing about a community, I'm writing about a community that I'm a part of. And if I'm being honest, I'm mostly writing about like people I know, right. Just by like the nature of the trans comic scene being, you know, pretty small. Um, <laughs> so like one thing I never want to do is position myself as an authority is like the authority right like i am an expert i know what i'm talking about but i am not like interested in like taking these experiences and being like check it out other scholars look what these guys are doing right um and um so i'm gonna like quote myself uh again uh this is i have like a methodology section in my perspective so i'm sort of quoting what i've written there Mm. Um, I see what I'm doing as an act of collage, drawing from a wide range of scholarly, theoretical, activist, and artistic sources. The through line for me is a liberatory abolitionist perspective, whether we call it world making or prefigurative politics or critical phenomenology, um, which is another like theory I'm using, um, or something else. What I see connecting the sources I pull from is a thrust towards making or remaking the future into something livable. 
I'm indebted to particularly trans feminist writings, critical disability studies, and queer and trans of color critique, alongside comic studies, zines, visual histories, and art theory. Um, And so part of that for me is making sure that I'm not the only voice, which is like hard to do in this context because like U.S. American (laughs) um, PhD academia is very individualized, right? Like it's very Mm -hmm. like you are the, the, it is your, you're the special thinker. And I'm not saying like, there's lots of academics who buck this and are very collaborative and everything like that, of course, but like the paradigm, right? The sort of like the way a dissertation is structured is that it's very like, what is your special contribution going to be? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not really interested in that. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only voice in the project. And I have sort of two books that I wanted to sort of like cite here, um, you know, for other folks who might be interested in this sort of thing. Um, The first is uh, Research is Ceremony by Sean Wilson. Um, And I'm going to quote from the summary. This book describes a research paradigm shared by Indigenous scholars in Canada and Australia and demonstrates how this paradigm can be put into practice. Relationships don't just shape Indigenous reality, they are our reality. Indigenous researchers develop relationships with ideas in order to achieve enlightenment in the ceremony that is Indigenous research. Indigenous research is the ceremony of maintaining accountability to these relationships. For researchers to be accountable to all of our relations, we must make careful choices in our selection of topics, methods of data collection, forms of analysis, and finally, in the way we present information. And um, in the book, Wilson includes letters that he has like written to his sons, just like as like part of the book. And he also has moments where he'll be transcribing conversations with, like, his friends and colleagues where he's, like, talking through his idea with them, basically, right? And, like, Mm. um, in a sort of informal method, right? And just sort of, like, just having a conversation with his friends and then, like, including that in the book, right? And Mm. I I found that really useful as a model where he's, you know, foregrounding his relationships with his family and community while describing a research practice. Because that's what the book is about, is like, Mm. what is is an indigenous research practice? That's cool. And then the the other book is Aesthetics of Excess by Jillian Hernandez, who is actually a professor at UF. Um, She's great. Um, So again, sort of to quote the summary, in Aesthetics of Excess, Jillian Hernandez examines how middle-class discourses of aesthetic value racialize the bodies of women and girls of color. At the same time, their style can be a source of cultural capital when appropriated by the contemporary art scene. Drawing on her community arts work with Black and Latina girls in Miami, Hernandez analyzes the art and self-image of these girls alongside works produced by contemporary artists and pop musicians such as... uh, Wengechi Mutu, Kara Walker, and Nicki Minaj. And formally, what I really like is that Hernandez has interludes in between the chapters. So, like, if you open the table of contents, it'll be, like, introduction, interlude one, and then chapter one, right? So there's literally Mm -hmm. these interludes. um, And the interludes are... her students' artwork, uh, commentary and writing from her students. So, like, their voices get to be, like, present not just mediated through her analysis, right, in the book. And so I knew going in that I wanted to have interviews, basically, mm-hmm. right? Like some sort of like uh, uh, interviews, commentary, you know, something where it's like, I'm not the only trans cartoonist who has words in the book. 
Um, I wanted to hear about what other trans people think about their own work, about participating in shows, and, you know, my my concept, right? Like, I want to get that feedback. Um, and so that's what we will be, the new series. I feel like I, like, yeah. gave it such a lead up. But I wanted to really, like, contextualize. Um, we're going to be um, having these interviews in the podcast. Um, yep. I'm adopting a lot from oral history best practices. I want to shout out specifically the website Oral History in the Digital Age, which is a wonderful website with all these resources that's a huge collaboration through Michigan State University, the Smithsonian, um, Center for Folklife and Cultural Heritage, the Library of Congress's American Folklife Center, the American Folklore Society, and the Oral History Association. Um, it has like really wonderful resources, and there's like a bunch of other websites too. But uh, I mm. use that. I use. I found. I, I have learned a lot specifically from oral history in the digital age. Um, oh, I, w- I was just gonna say we could have a whole episode on what oral histories are and the history of and like the work that yeah. goes into oral histories and stuff too. That'd be fun. Yeah. I, I want to like say that I wouldn't necessarily s- say that what I'm doing is an oral history project because the inter- it's it's not like it's interviews that are pretty specific to the dissertation that I've constructed right like it's um mm-hmm. at least for now I, in the you future, that have an ch- agenda <laughs> I have an agenda yes right and you know in the future that might change um but like this felt like the 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 thing that made the most sense for what I'm trying to do for this specific project. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, but these interviews operate on an informed consent model where, um, you know, I reach out to the interviewee, um, explain the project and if they're interested and if they are, um, they, you know, we go over exactly like what materials will be made um, from the interview, how they're going to be used, including, you know, if they're cool with it being on the podcast, um, how is it going to be archived, if there's any inter- limitations um, that they want to enforce. Um, interviewees keep the rights to all the materials unless they choose to enter it into the public domain. Um, and of course, because it's an informed consent model, they can always change their mind or, you know, ask me to take stuff down or anything like that because uh, I, I ultimately, like, want people to, you know, own their own image. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, <laughs> exploit my friends. Um, and so <laughs> um, a slightly the, – the version that will be on the podcast is going to be a little bit condensed for clarity and time. Um, and then uh, a, the full interview and transcript will be hosted on a website that I am currently working on building. I do not have a timeline because it, I am building it myself and these things take time. <laughs> um, but yeah. once it's live, we will, we will share it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is basically it. So it... I I have we I don't have an exact number in mind. I think we talked about like maybe 20, but like it of course depends on like who's available, who's actually down, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but these will be released under the uh trans cartoonists and the DIY scene label. Yes, they will. And I can say that the first one is going to be with Emma Jane, who is a fantastic cartoonist, and I'm super excited to talk to her. Yeah, Um, and you'll be able to listen to that episode on Monday. We are going to start talking to her in like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. 
Um, so yeah. Is there any questions for me that you have, Kathy? Well, I just wanted to say that, um, we will be, we'll be posting these. Um, so drawing a dialogue episodes, we have had some two kinds types of interview episodes. We've had pure interview episodes and those are actually under the label drawing a dialogue presents. So it's under the dad presents. And so Mm -hmm. we will start, we will be using that dad presents. (laughs) Did you know that drawing a dialogue acronym is dad? (laughs) Dad. (laughs) Rules. So it'll be dad presents episode four uh, will be Emma's uh, episode. And then, Mm -hmm. but we have had um, some guests, honestly, like uh fst and ross basically our best friends who are also scholars <laughs> and they <laughs> and they got into be they got a regular episode because we sort of had a topic idea and me and remus mm-hmm. talk a lot in those episodes as well we ask questions and stuff and the idea of dad presents episodes that are like more pure interview is uh, allowing our subject interview subject to guide the interview talk about what they want to talk about talk about their work um you do have questions that you've written out and you're going to be adapting for each uh artist yes right but i I, it's still more all about the subject talking uh, rather than me and remus talking (laughs) right it's you um again sort of like following the oral history best practices it's you want to have sort of like some questions prepared um to guide the conversation but ultimately the goal is to have um the person you're interviewing be uh talking the most Mm -hmm. um so so like you pre-write the questions but then like you can always like go off of them or diverge or skip them or you know like whatever you need to do sort of to like to sort of like allow the other person um the person being interviewed to share you know as much as they are able to or want to um mm-hmm. so. yeah in and fact really, i don't even really... know how much i'm Sorry? gonna be talking <laughs> i don't <laughs> even know i'm planning on not talking like a lot <laughs> i just wanted to be like chill and be on it you know be part of it um because i think it's fun i think it's amazing uh remus has originally thinking of just like I don't. I can't remember. We had talked early on about it, and you were going to be doing interviews yeah. and stuff for your dissertation. And I was like, "Yo, let's put it on drawing a dialogue." Like this is <laughs> this project, the the that me and Remus are doing together on this podcast is just is all about creating our own scholarship and independent scholarship, and also sharing it, like openly mm-hmm. sharing it with the audience. So I'm really excited about being a part of this work with Remus. I'm trying to support Remus as best in any way I can um, because I think it's amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm very I'm looking forward to it quite a bit. Thank you. I am too. Yeah, we didn't want um, to make you as the audience wait for that first episode. So the first episode is going to be dropping on Monday. We're just going to drop it right away Um, because hopefully hopefully you've listened to this episode and you're all hype on drawing a (laughs) dissertation. (laughs) yeah you can't can't wait yeah and i I will say also like this isn't gonna be like oh from now on every month's episode is gonna be one of these because again it's gonna depend on like scheduling and things like that so there will still be like the regular the timeline is open depending on the needs of the interviewees and also myself the person who edits these um (laughs) 
I'm honestly but, obsessed that we are more dedicated to making quality content than we are dedicated to a schedule. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, important to me in my life. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, um, but, you know, uh, I, you know, Kathy wanted to make sure that we properly contextualized, and I was like, that's an important thing. So even though I am a little shy about sharing, honestly, because it is still so like early stages and it's like a thing that I've been working on for like years, <laughs> but you know, it's like weird to be mm-hmm. like, all right, everyone, here's what I'm doing it's time. now. It's time. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. Cause I was like, let's just write an introduction for the episode. And then, but you were the one who was like, it needs its own episode. Oh, it was going to take. If I had to contextualize all of it, I was like, it's going to take too long. <laughs> I literally was, I was literally planning on you being like, so I'm going to interview um, some trans cartoonists in the DIY scene. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And I'll be like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not expecting all this. I mean, this rules. I mean, you're, a, I was about to do a swear. Excuse me. You're like in your, like your fifth year, fifth year, fourth year doctorate program like you're becoming a doctor baby (laughs) of comics a doctor of comics wow Mm. don't change your social media handle to that please um oh never (laughs) (laughs) um so i think we hit our conclusion pretty much i didn't uh start our thing but basically conclusion is we're going to be doing these amazing episodes on this amazing series. We're so excited to be interviewing our trans cartoonists who are our friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we're really excited to be bringing that to you guys as our listeners. Um, and we really hope that you share you share with um, uh, your friends and your circles. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is a really cool project and I'm so excited to be part of it. So, you're welcome. So, uh, now it's time for Letters to the Editor, um, which is our regular segment where we revisit past topics and add new research. And sometimes we actually read email that you sent us. Um, you can send us e- letters and emails at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Um, I actually have a couple things that I was hoping to mention. Did you have anything for the Letters to the Editor segment? Uh I don't think so, but what did you have? Yeah, so I have, I just wanted to give a big shout out to um, my friend, uh, Madison Zalapone. Uh, Madison is a college friend um, who has gone on to be a disability advocate and um, educator. Um, she has a a, a website, madisonzalapone.com, and I'll post that. Um, in the show notes, but also also on TikTok, um, she is disability pop on TikTok. So she on TikTok she analyzes different elements of pop culture. She talks about like movies and different el- elements of pop culture through a disability lens. And honestly, a lot of the I wanted to give her a shout out because a lot of watching her TikToks has um, given me a lot of uh, wonderful good information about. Uh, the disability lens and like as a like a political identity and stuff like that and i just wanted to make sure yeah. i was giving credit where credit's due um <laughs> i'm a fan she her yeah, old uh, awesome. account got uh banned but she did talk about um some of my artwork on it once 
<laughs> it's all gone now. <laughs> oh, I want, you know, I did, I have followed her on TikTok and I wonder, I was like, I haven't seen her videos in a long yeah, time. Yeah. So her new handle is Disability Pop. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So she's really great. I just wanted to make sure I was giving proper shout out to people who were expanding my language and my perspective mm-hmm. on things. And especially with last week's episode on talking about accessibility at comic conventions. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I definitely was borrowing uh, phrases that she was using. So <laughs> she she definitely informed that. <laughs> uh, not directly, but indirectly. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to make sure I talked about Madison. Um, so. And then I, I had another thing. I got a lot of notes. Luckily, this was a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, so I wanted to say it's thanks. It's our thanks section. And generally, we thank Downtown Boys, which is uh, they're the band mm-hmm. who plays the song Wave of History. Um, it's off their album Full Communism. They uh, are the intro and outro of Drawing a Dialogue. Um, their singer, their front person is Victoria Ruiz, who has been the victim of a really big doxing campaign by the right wing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was at a vigil for uh, Palestinian people who were killed in Palestine um, Mm -hmm. by the Israeli government. Um, And she was filmed taking down posters that were really hateful um, because she was at a vigil Mm -hmm. and she was trying to take care of uh, protect the vigil from um, pro-Israeli protesters. Um, and she was filmed and a lot of lies were shared about her. This video was shared quite widely. Um, and she lost her job. Mm. She got fired and she is a public defender. She's a public defender in New York city. She's a lawyer. She is helping keep people out of jail. Um, she's a really good person. Um, at the time of, um, at the time that we're talking about this, um, she, uh, her supporters are asking for people to just sort of publicly talk about how wonderful she is mm-hmm. um, and just uh, voice public support. I don't think she has any sort of um, places you can donate for her. Um, but uh, if you want to sure. speak your support for her, um, I think that would be really helpful in sort of fighting that search engine optimization, the F- SEO to show to fight the hate (laughs) that she's getting right now yeah what else uh that's it um you can go to comic art ed to see all my education work that i've done but also that is where this podcast is hosted um i'm gonna pass it off to you now i've I've babbled a lot (laughs) yeah and you can head over to uh drawingadialogue.com to view the citations for this podcast and you can email us at drawingadialogue at gmail.com. Uh, and you can follow... Uh, where can you follow me these days? Just go to <laughs> go to tinyletter.com forward slash Remus Jackson. That is my newsletter link. I don't... I'm not very social media right now. Um, <laughs> I'm not very so social I think- media. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's probably the best place to keep up with me for now. Um, I've been working on redoing my website uh, to to sort of use that more as it's well. It's been looking really good. Time, 
Thank you. I am remaking it through NeoCities, which mm-hmm. is sort of like a a, a, a GeoCities style web hoster. Um, it's super nice. I forgot how nice it is just to be like, here is a blank index.html. Go wild. <laughs> um, but I, I am sort of like upgrading my, it, I haven't, you know, the last time I was like hand coding things, I was in like high school. So, you know, there's a lot more things you can do now. And I'm also teaching myself some like very rudimentary JavaScript. So it's been fun. Aww. It's fun. I'm very pro DIY internet. I think we should return to that. Um, so if you want to experiment yeah. with website making. <laughs> I just I just posted a <laughs> blog post to my website like a few Hell days yeah. ago. Yeah. So sorry, I interrupted. You're good. You. I was what just gonna say saying? like if you're a person who misses the old web or like wants to have more of like a personal space that you can play with and not have to worry about like corporate oversight. Uh NeoCities is great. You can make a free website. Um or you can, uh, if you want some more like storage and like a custom domain and things like that, it's like five bucks a month, which is so worth it. <laughs> you know, um, but I, yeah. it's a great, it's a great little mm-hmm. community. I really like it. Um, and then where can cool. folks follow you, Kathy? Um, they can follow me at Kathy G. John on Blue Sky and uh, Instagram and twitter what i'm not really using it as much it's like it literally i'll post something on twitter and it will not show anyone it'll get zero likes so like honestly literally who cares that i have five thousand followers at this point (laughs) and at least on blue sky where i have one tenth of that um i get a couple of likes when i post something so honestly i think blue sky and instagram are going to be the way to go i'm getting so tired of twitter like it doesn't even matter it like isn't matter (laughs) yeah (laughs) nowadays so they killed it they killed it it's over um so not doing that anymore and drawing a dialogue is also on twitter and um and blue sky and instagram as well as drawing a dialogue.com um so Please follow us on Blue Sky. I believe we have like five <laughs> followers at this point. Um, I'll keep posting. I honestly don't care about the amount of yeah, followers. Yeah. I don't. I, it could come or go. I just wanted. I just want it to be posted in a place that is convenient for people to see that we have a new episode. And also, if you're just like following us on the feed, but like you're amped and you want to share it on your circle, I want like convenient locations in which right. you can share the latest podcast episode. Sense. Because that's sort of how I do it. Like, it just shows up on my feed. And then I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed this episode. And then, like, having a place that I can just yeah, quickly definitely. retweet it um, is nice. So um, so go ahead. Find us wherever is convenient for you. That's what it's all about. Um, but be, be, Except for Facebook. I'm not going to do that. Oh, I, you know, here's the thing about Facebook. It's unusable. It's It's so broken. <laughs> I also find Tumblr completely unusable. I, like I do not understand what's happening on that interface. Maybe, I don't maybe like it. Like I a, look at it and I'm like, this makes no we, sense maybe to me. We should make us a drawing a dialogue um, Tumblr. I've actually been back into Tumblr. I mean, I don't. Um, if you if you do it, man, I can't do it. It like makes no sense <laughs> to me fair. now. It is. I really like the user interface. The UI is like I is like visual nonsense <laughs> to me. I really don't understand it's what's very, happening. It's very wonky. Um, I I am curious to see how it'll be like in twenty twenty four. But uh, I I have gotten back into Tumblr a little bit. Uh, I don't like share. I don't like post. I just like follow people and reblog stuff. But it's kind of nice. It's kind of fun. Um, 
I it makes no sense to me. <laughs> were you into so. Tumblr when you were like a teenager? I, I mean, or, yeah, yeah. Not when I was a teenager because I was uh, kind of too old for it. But in uh, college, like my senior year of college, I got a Tumblr, and that's how um, Jeremiah. So my first, right. uh, my first graphic novel was originally a web comic. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Jeremiah sort of became popular. So like I have, we have friends who are now like our peers at comic book conventions who are like, oh, I read your comic on Tumblr. I grew up reading your comic on Tumblr. Like that's what they'll say. They like, I grew up yeah. reading my comic and I'm like, thank you. But that also, you're an adult. Ascend. <laughs> Makes <laughs> you feel weird. Um, but that's how it sort of found its audience. So I thought maybe with I have a new comic, a uh, web comic called chargercounty.com. Charger County. You can read it for free on chargercounty.com. You can support me at, at camaraderie.co slash Kathy G. John. You can find that link Yeah. anywhere. Um, but also if you support that, it's sort of like a, it's like a, a community owned yeah. Patreon. And, but you'll get emails every time I update uh, Charger County. Um, I don't, I like literally have no idea. I'll I'll get like 10 likes on Instagram for Charger County. But then like at Mice, so many people came up to me and said they read my comic. Like, I'm like, where are you? Like, I don't, I don't know who you are, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) that's sort of like at this point, like the likes don't actually mean anything. So you just have to, there's just like a lot of faith that has to do with building the internet, your internet, uh, sharing your work on the internet right now involves a lot yeah, of you really can't look at any um, metrics because it's it's all broken like all of the this the it's, it's all, all broken very like the algorithms and you know all of the various bad decisions that have been made it like is not there's it's not a trustworthy metric in any way shape or form and and it's it's sort of it's sort of interesting because i feel like for a long time our before 2020 but there was a long time where people were saying you don't actually have to do comic conventions anymore because everything is done on the internet right now i think comic conventions are really important like i see people they they see my work they recognize my work and i don't see that reflected in my online Mm -hmm. numbers at all like they're it's it's like not reflected in my social media numbers or anything like that but in person they'll be like Mm -hmm. i love your work i follow you like and i'll be like all right man like you just gotta make the work yeah. and share it just you do but that's sort of it's interesting like you're this dissertation work that you're going to be doing is about comic conventions yeah, in a lot definitely. of ways so it's awesome um so uh what are you reading remus um i've been reading uh jeanette mccurdy's memoir i'm glad my mother died or am i glad my mom died oh the new york times bestseller like for like a month or two in a row yeah i mean i uh it's really good it's very hard to read um i think if you have yeah. any experience with uh abusive parents but um mm-hmm. it is it is quite it is quite good so i've just been reading it in little chunks i can't read it too late at night or i have crazy dreams um <laughs> yeah yeah I, I absolutely agree with that yeah. um yeah i've been meaning to i want to i hear she reads it, the audiobook herself oh, which i love i love it when an author reads their own audiobook that's cool yeah um but yeah Yeah. it's you know i was i mean i never i was not of the age i I missed the iCarly phenomenon like i was too old when iCarly came out to ever like be into it oh she's the iCarly actress i didn't even it didn't even 
put that together. Yeah, that's why she's so... I mean, it's not, like, the only reason, but that's, like, one of the reasons why she's so beloved is because she was Sam on iCarly. Um, and obviously, that, like, a lot... Like, iCarly was, like, a phenomenon. But... Uh, yeah. So I, I never had any, like, I don't have any, like, a nostalgic attachment to her or anything like that. Um, but I was like, oh, it'd be, this is like... Yeah, we're too old for that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it is, it is, in, it's interesting, especially to get, like, her, her, spec- her perspective on being a child star is, like, someone who didn't like acting and didn't want to do it as a child and was kind of forced into it by her mother. Mm. So it's, it, you know, a difficult, a definitely a difficult read, but, like, a good, a good one, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, what have you been reading? Yeah, so I just wanted to take this chance to sort of shout out Power Born of Dreams. My story is Palestine. Um, it's a graphic novel from Street Noise. I believe it came out last year mm. or two years ago, um, but it's recent and it's fully woodcut, which is incredible. So it's like a hundred page book that's enti- all the comic pages are entirely woodcut. And the author is Mohammed Sabane. S-A-B-A-A-N-E-H. Um, and he is actually he is on Twitter and he's currently living in Palestine. I just wanted to shout out we haven't we didn't talk about uh Free Palestine uh right. last episode, but I believe I'm speaking for Remus when I say that we both yes. want a ceasefire and we want Palestine to be free. Yeah. So I just wanted to give that book a shout out. It's a beautiful book, it's an amazing book. Um, and go to protests and donate and do what you can. Call your reps mm-hmm. and ask for a ceasefire. Demand a ceasefire. Um, well, thank you so much for Remus. I really am looking forward to these episodes and these interviews. And thank you uh, for listening to Drawing Dialogue. My name is Kathy G. Johnson. And I'm Remus Jackson. Solidarity forever. Uh-huh.